Coming up, it's philosophy talk. Childhood is this wonderful protected period of immaturity where we can just imagine, we can just learn, and we can just exercise our imagination. What is the imagination? How does the imagination work, and what do we use it for? Our task as adults is negotiating this fine line between if we just considered all the possibilities, we couldn't function at all, but if we didn't have any sense of possibility at all, we'd be dead. We wouldn't be able to do anything. Our guest, Alison Gottman from the University of California, Berkeley. Having a reality-based view of the world uh, and an imaginative view of the world aren't in opposition. They're exactly the same thing. The Nature of Imagination, coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, local, innovative public radio for San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And from that oasis of thought, we migrate to this oasis of the air, and from the air to the Internet via our blog, the blog.philosophytalk.org. And now you can listen to Philosophy Talk anywhere, anytime by downloading one of our podcast of the best of philosophy talk. Well, I imagine myself writing blogs all the time, and that's particularly relevant this time, Ken, because our topic is the imagination. You know, my uh, favorite philosopher, Hume, just thought the imagination was fantastic. He thought without the imagination, we, we'd just be tied to boring old reality. But with the imagination, we take apart the information we get in perceptions, take apart the ideas, we put them together in all sorts of new ways, and almost everything interesting and important about human life follows from that fact. Yeah, you know, I think Hume had something right about the imagination, but I do think he probably, he, he underestimated it in a way, because he thought it was very tied to perception. And Descartes made a a nice observation about kind of perceptual imagination versus what he thought of as conceiving stuff. Trying to imagine a million-sided figure, the imagination quickly runs out. You can't form a very succinct image of that. But you can conceive a million-sided figure, and you can prove all kinds of theorems about it. And, and, and so conception is different from imagination. But maybe Hume thought Descartes was too tied per, to perception, and Descartes didn't realize how abstract the imagination can be. I think... Descartes underestimated the abstract power of the imagination. Well, I, 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 I think you're right. When I read Hume, I must say, I, I get the feeling that this man imagined things much more visually and imagistically than I do. I, I don't find my mind filling up with vision-like things when I imagine. So my imagination's uh, kind of maybe a little more like conception or something. I don't know. I uh, hope somebody can straighten us out about this. Yeah, I, I know. Now, now, when you say imagination is this realm of absolute freedom, does that mean we can imagine things that are impossible or, and therefore can't learn anything about reality from imagination? Well, that's a good point. Now, Hume certainly thought that the imagination was tied to the possible, uh, and that may be connected with the fact that he thought it was very visual and you couldn't put together images so they didn't make sense, but he'd never seen Escher drawing. So uh, it's a big, interesting uh, question, Ken. Can I imagine that 2 plus 2 equals 5, for example? I mean, really, does just anything go in the imagination? Well, you or are there limits to what you can imagine? Well, uh, you can imagine uh, the sentence 2 plus 2 equals 5 being true. 
you can imagine yourself adding 2 plus 2 and getting 5, but does either of those really amount to imagining that 2 plus 2 equals 5? I doubt it. I know. Good question. You know, so, look, you know, kids imagine a lot. I mean, we think of the imagination as like this realm of fiction and uh, and all that sort of stuff, and maybe not utterly serious, but kids imagine a lot. And I think their imagination is, their imagining is really important and teaches them a lot about the world. And our roving philosophical reporter, Polly Stryker, went out and imagined with a bunch of kids. She files this report. When I was little, we'd make my friends room into a spaceship and play Star Wars. I remember feeling scared, exhilarated, on a mission to save the galaxy. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of the SAR-2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve Experts say that playing imaginary games is a way for kids to explore all kinds of roles and emotions on their own terms. The difference between reality and fantasy is very amorphous, but it allows kids to dip into some very significant themes in young childhood, which has to do with safety, danger, independence and comfort and life and death and imagination allows them to experience um, their independence in a really vivid way. That's Jane Perry, a research coordinator and teacher at UC Berkeley's Harold E. Jones Child Study Center. From my own research, an example, there's these two kids and they're pretending to be hyenas and they drop from the climbing structure, see the tire swing, run over and go, hey, off to New York, and they jump on and they're immediately flying. They go back to the climbing net and they cuddle and one says, pretend I'm biting you, okay? Kids try on roles in games like adults try on outfits. They also learn to negotiate. I talked to some kids in the neighborhood. Like at our school with Christina, um, we did the Incredibles also with her. We were like, meet me next recess um, at the benches or at the water fountain. Usually I was, I really wanted to be Violet, but sometimes I didn't get to. So there'd be like two Violets at the same time and like two Jack Jacks. It's really complicated. If you're scared of something, maybe you can take control using imaginary play. I played doctor. I have this little doctor set. Children know like they're vulnerable. They're very savvy that they live in the world of accomplished adults. Jane Perry. Imaginative play gives them that opportunity to um, feel in control, to really challenge what is, even though they're fully cognizant of the fact that they're young people in a big world. It turns out Star Wars is still in vogue. We do Star Wars. When I went to my friend's house, we made her room a uh, spaceship and stuff, yeah. All my friends, they have brothers, so they, yeah, they would be basically the bad guys. I asked Jane Perry what she'd tell an adult who told kids to stop pretending. What children are doing when they're in their imaginative worlds is exactly the kind of learning experiences that they need to give them the flexibility to respond to whatever comes up in their world later in life. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Polly Stryker. The bad guy's coming. We have to hide. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.